No purple songs can fly? Welcome to our program, produced by the Children in Treatment at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. Our program is about great music made by some terrific young talents. Now, here are the hosts of Purple Songs Can Fly. Thank you and welcome to the program, Purple Songs Can Fly, on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And today, we will be talking again with... Uh, Dr. Scott Parazinski, otherwise known as the most interesting man in the world. Yes, um, <laughs> yes totally. And uh, if you have not heard our previous show, uh, the show we uh, just lasted, we actually was also with Dr. Scott yeah. uh, and his space flights. So if you like this show, please check it out. Check it out. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be back, guys. Thank you again yeah. for coming out. I am so excited to, to yes. uh, talk today about uh, Mount Everest. Uh, so let's just get started with uh, kind of what is your background? Uh, where did you start from? <laughs> you know, I, how, how did you become the man you are today? Yes, what was your childhood? Basically, what was your inspiration? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, mm. When I was very young, I was really inspired by explorers. So the people that oh. I read about um, were all great explorers. So Jacques mm. Cousteau, uh, yes. Stradman Hillary, Tenzing Norgay. Mallory and Irvine, uh, Sir Roger Bannister, who broke the four-minute mile, mm. the pioneering astronauts and cosmonauts. So I really wanted to do that. And, right. um, and so I, I went to uh, you know, college and medical school at Stanford, and, and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and I ended up uh, at NASA, which is one mm. of my boyhood uh, dreams. But uh, I was always uh, interested in, in, I guess, high lofty places, so I like to climb. And I started climbing, I guess, in my teens when I was living in Athens, Greece. And so uh-huh. I started rock climbing and rock scrambling. And the longer you, you climb, uh, you, you try to test yourself on higher and harder uh, mountains and, right. and crags. And uh, um, I spent some time in Colorado for part of my training. Mm-hmm. So I got into winter mountaineering and uh, more difficult mountains. And ultimately, the... Uh, the ultimate test piece is Mount Everest, you know. So once, you, once you've been doing it for a while, um, everyone wants to, to check that box. And uh, right. it's uh, certainly one of the, well, I would say it's the most difficult thing I've ever done mm. mentally as well as physically when I got a chance to, wow. to climb wow. it. Wow. And, and just to, to put that most difficult thing I've ever done uh, comment in perspective, uh, some of Dr. <laughs> Dr. Scott Perzinski's titles are... Uh, Medical doctor, astronaut, um, experienced mountain climber. That, that's it's, so. Climbing Mount Everest was more difficult than be, than astronaut training. The list goes on. All of on. your experiences. The medical list goes school. On. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Um, you know, and I, I would uh, also have to re- reflect back on my experience on Mount Everest. It, it didn't uh, happen the very first summit. Uh, season I was there. I, I tried uh, to climb it in uh, 2008 in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And a uh, bit of a long story, we can dive into it a little bit later on oh, if you'd like. But uh, sure. I ended up uh, on my first uh, try on Mount Everest rupturing a disc in my low back oh. at very high altitude and having to limp my way down the mountain. And oh, uh, 
Um, so it was a very painful, very difficult experience. Mm. And so to go back the following year after I'd had surgery and and really trained even harder, right. I was able to finally summit. Um, but right. uh, it's uh, yeah, when you when you take uh, take on Mount Everest, it's uh, you know both a physical as well as a mental challenge. Yes. And there hmm. um, there are voices in your head saying, you know, turn around. This is right. this is too hard. You can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. you are going to the highest mountain <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you you have to you have to know the difference between uh, you know good pain and you know really serious pain yes. and and have good judgment. Yeah. Um, you have to you have to study really hard mm. both uh, the uh, the technical aspects as well as uh, knowing yourself and and whether or not you can continue. So right, and what your limits are. Right, 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 right. That's it. And just in case you're tuning in, you're listening to the Voice America Kids Network and Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And our topic today is one of, of the myriad of amazing things Dr. Scott Perzinski yes. has done, uh, climbing Mount Everest. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's very important that, and kind of ins- inspirational, at least to me, mm-hmm. that you went to Mount Everest, and we, we will have a later segment talking in detail about, about your climbs, but um, you went to Mount Everest, you tried once, and you had to know when to stop, and then you went back again and did it. Um, what would you say kind of drove you to do that? Well, you know, it was v- so difficult to turn around that very first time yeah. I was there. I was within 24 hours of summiting. Mm. I had been on the mountain for 59 days already, acclimatizing. Oh, wow. and, uh, and so I knew physically that I could do it if I was healthy. Mm. Um, I knew it was within my technical and uh, in other abilities if I was healthy. And so, um, I just couldn't get it out of my system. You know, it was, uh, it was one of those life goals that I knew I needed to come back and, and finish. And, and thankfully, yeah. uh, I had the opportunity the following year to come back as the physician for a, a TV show called, uh, Everest beyond the limit on the mm. discovery channel. So right. there aren't many people that actually get paid to go climb Mount Everest, but I got paid the second time I went, um, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Cause it's very expensive if you do it on your own. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Makes so it's so, even better. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So your successful climb is that, uh, logged on TV records? It is. In and fact, you can see the third season of, uh, uh, Discovery's, uh, Everest Beyond the Limit. Okay. Uh, and actually there's a Sherpa camera tracking me all the way up to the top of the world. It's really wow. a, a great, great production. Cool. So where would, where would, uh, listeners go if they want to see you, uh, climb? You can get it on, uh, discovery.com and I believe Amazon, there are places to, uh, download it. It, I think you have to buy the episode, but, um, it's not that expensive like most things these days so right. excellent yeah. excellent and so what, what what episode is this i i i kind of want to know because i'm going to do this when i get home <laughs> same here, so, same um, here. <laughs> you know i think it's the second or third episode of uh of that's the third season of everest beyond the limit okay excellent thank you so much you're welcome yeah oh gosh and uh let's take a break um just before we get into oh this the detail and oh, i'm so excited yes uh I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. This song is actually by you, Emily. Yes. I want to get back on top. And this you wrote this when you were 13. Wow. Bye. 
Supergirl? It's all about acceptance, respect, healthy relationships, and how to deal with peer pressure. It's all about real-life issues that girls face every day. Join your hosts as they talk about hobbies, friendships, dealing with bullies, and living life as a Supergirl. Be sure to tune in every week for Supergirl Guide, the radio show, every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. With some support and knowing that you're not alone, it makes all the difference in the world. listening to Purple Songs Can Fly on the Voice America Kids channel. To find out more about our program, please visit the website at purplesongscanfly.org. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Taflin. I'm Emily Freeman. Along with Dr. Scott Parazinski, and you're listening to Voice America Kids and Purple Songs Can Fly. Let's continue with our conversation about Mount Everest. Uh, what was your training like to climb the most difficult, yes. tallest mountain in the world? Well, I would, I would partition the training into a few different bundles, but uh-huh. uh, there's the physical, so you have to be 
really is, you know, yeah, your heart shape. has to be uh, you know pumping as strong as as you can get it. Mm-hmm. Your muscles, you know, uh, have to be extremely fit. So I, what I did is I uh, spent a lot of time uh, doing cycling and mm. and spin aerobics in right. the gym, right. and then I would also go to Rice University to the stadiums there and do stadium steps up and down, um. sometimes with a backpack, and uh, you know running up and down the steps, and right. that really got me physically fit. Um, I had been climbing since I was 15 years old, so mm. you know technically I developed the skills through many, many climbs, uh, good climbs as well as climbs where I maybe got in over my head, mm. and I developed <laughs> judgment. You know, you, when you make mistakes, right. hopefully not too big a mistake, uh, you learn from those experiences, and so you develop a toolkit of of skills that uh, mm. allow you to handle uh, inclement weather, right. uh, and experiences. Right, yeah. right. So th- you know things that if if things aren't perfect on the route, you have some some backup plans and backups right. to the backup. Right. And I had a lot of experience uh, winter camping and, and handling the cold. Mm. Um, and then also you know uh, the other things that you really need to be a master of. Uh, you know the technical skills and in, in your equipment. So you know, really. Uh, developing a set of tools and, and equipment that would mm. protect me in mm. that environment. Right. Um, so you kind of a lot of a lot of different things go into you know that culmination of you know going to Mount Everest. You don't just you know uh, <laughs> do a few uh, uh, climbs in Colorado and then decide you're going to okay, go to done, ready. Mount Everest. Uh, yeah, a week long training <laughs> camp. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've been climbing in. Uh, um, Alaska Range mm. in the in the Andes in the Alps oh, wow. uh, in the Colorado Rockies in the mm. Canadian Rockies so I had a lot of experience built up over many yeah. years and and so I really was ready when That's I got great. the call forever and, and just touching on some of your comments what are some uh, what what's, what's, what kind of equipment does one use to climb, to climb. a mountain yeah. yeah well you know kind of uh, you feel like you're out on a spacewalk on mm. on summit morning so you have a big puffy uh, down jacket that you're wearing almost like a spacesuit. Mm. You have a huge backpack on your back with an oxygen cylinder and an oxygen mask, like you're out in a spacesuit. Right. You have a, a big headlamp on your, on your head and a, and a helmet, similar to what we have on a spacewalk. Uh, big uh, insulated boots and gloves, like we have out on a spacewalk. Mm. We have a harness on and a, and a line to a, a fixed line that gives us safety as we go up the, the steeper parts of the, the route. Right. So just as we have a tether when we're outside on a spacewalk. So I really felt as uh, I was going out the, the International Space Station hatch the morning that I set out for the summit. It, mm. A lot of similarities. The extreme cold. and yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, I, what was... You talked a little bit about mistakes. Um, yeah. What mistakes... Uh, or what's probably the major mistake that you would say prepared you um, or, or gave you the experience needed to... Uh, correct that behavior and helped you on the, your path to Everest? Well, uh, two great examples. So um, I'd spent mm-hmm. a lot of time climbing in Colorado uh, over many years, and including some climbs in the winter. And mm-hmm. one uh, climb in particular, I was out with uh, two friends, and uh, our ambitions were beyond our skill. I was the only <laughs> the lead climber in the group, and so I had to climb every pitch in the lead, uh, so I didn't have any rest breaks. And it was also mm. very time-consuming to pull up two climbers instead of just one. So right. we were moving more slowly than we should have been to make, make it to the summit and uh. down before nightfall. And uh, uh, we ended up uh, uh, having to spend the night out in the elements without sleeping bags or anything like that. Oh, wow. um, thankfully, it wasn't too cold, and um, 
you know, no one was hurt or anything like that. But uh, it, it really focused my attention on knowing your team, knowing the route, knowing the uh, um, your speed and, and what you can accomplish yes. in a certain period of time. Yeah, knowing your limits, exactly. And so that was one important lesson. The other is uh, just to study up before you go. And so I had read every book about Mount Everest before I, I went, including one wonderful book called uh, Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. Mm. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you and all of your listeners to read it. But it's one of the most compelling books about mountaineering ever written. And it was about the season of 1996 when mm. n- a number of people were uh, killed tragically because their ambition far exceeded their abilities. Mm. And there were a number of other problems that they had that year. So I use that as my guidebook of what not to do when I climb Mount Everest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I am, I'm very, very sorry that that had to happen yes. uh, to, to show those examples. But it's great that that resource is available for climbers now yes. right? To, to, to look back and learn from and history. And to show them, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And it, so you decided to climb Mount Everest as you know, the culmination of an experienced climber. Uh, mm-hmm. When you got to Nepal... Uh, what what is uh, in the in the area where Mount Everest is? Um, what's was the area like? What's the culture like? I guess, uh, kind of briefly. It's a spectacular place. Uh, uh. There are uh, Tibetan Buddhists primarily, so they're very spiritual people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, um, very colorful. The the monasteries uh, and the monks that that uh, live and work there, um, they're very very friendly people by mm-hmm. and large. Uh, uh, it's called the Kumbu region of of Nepal. Huh. Mm-hmm. Very high altitude. And um, if you ever get a chance to trek into Everest Base Camp, it will change your life. The scale of it is enormous. Uh, as I said, the people are just you know, so inviting and, and very contented. They have a very simple life, generally, but um, they're not lacking anything. And, uh, that, we can't say that for everyone here in our, our society, probably. That's incredible, and I think it's really poignant as well. Thanks, thanks. Such an inspiration. So let's take a break. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And you're listening to Voice America Kids. When we get back, we're going to talk with Dr. Scott more about his experience climbing. And during the break, we're going to have a song by Stephen called I Can Make It. And he was 12 years old when he wrote this song. This is my favorite purple song, by the way. I thank you for all you've done and all you say you do. Lord, I thank you for keeping me and all that I go through. Lord, I know you'll see me too Because you love me too Oh Lord Oh Lord If you say I am healed I'll be healed I can make it If you say I am rescued I know it's so I can take it You have all the power in your hand Say I am healed, I'll be healed I can make 
trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the tech team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. You are listening to Purple Songs Can Fly on the Voice America Kids channel. To find out more about our program, please visit the website at purplesongscanfly.org. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. Along with Dr. Scott Parazinski, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's continue with our conversation about Mount Everest and focus kind of on your experience climbing. So, the first time... You touch down, you head to Everest Base Camp. What is the first thing one does when they're trying to climb a mountain? Well, uh, it's uh, kind of a daunting uh, experience to arrive at Everest Base Camp. You've been trekking for about Mm. 10 days, and uh, you're surrounded by these beautiful mountains, and you finally arrive in the very thin air of base camp at 17,500 feet above sea level, you're living mm-hmm. on a glacier. It's, it's rock-covered, but it's a moving, creaking, groaning glacier. Huh. Uh, so um, it's just kind of a foreign uh, world. And you look, and it's two miles vertically above you is the summit of Mount Everest. And a lot of people, they take one look at it, and they conclude, there's no way I can possibly do this. And they turn around, and they go home. Mm. And um, so that really the only way you can um, manage something like that is to take a deep breath, and say, okay, I'm going to take it one day at a time, yes. one rope length of it at a time, one footstep at a time, and uh, and pace yourself because uh, it it's an endurance game. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so to, to climb Mount Everest, it's, it's not just about, you know, setting off from base camp and, you know, progressively right. working your way up the mountain. Actually, it's uh, kind of stair-stepping your way up. So you'll huh. climb up to first to Camp, uh, camp 1 at 19,500 feet and spend a couple of nights. And it's very hard that first uh, couple of nights. Mm. But then you come back down and you rest for about a week. And then you'll repeat that, but then go up to Camp 2, which is at about uh, 21,000 feet, wow. and spend up, up to a week. And, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a struggle that first time, but then you come back down and rest for a week or more. Mm. And then you'll repeat it and, and take a trip up to Camp 3 at 24,500 feet. Wow. And that's your last uh, major training uh, rotation before the weather window and your summit bid. And uh, what you're, you're basically doing is allowing your body to build extra red blood cells mm. to carry the thinning oxygen in that environment. So you're, you're getting your body stronger, you're building red blood cells, you're getting used to the cold and, and getting accommodated to the, uh, the route that you're going to take. Right. I was going to ask, um, what are the temperatures um, up there? It's a little nippy. Um, so, uh, you know, on, uh, I can imagine. On uh, summit morning, uh, I think when I was on the summit, it was probably about minus 40. Oh wow! Oh my God! So, uh, but yeah, in the morning time, right before sunrise, is the coldest part of the day, and it's man. so hard to get out of your sleeping bag oh, in the morning. Man. You have to be really motivated. <laughs> but we would have to do that um, actually to get through the one of the most dangerous parts of the route is called the Kumbu Icefall, mm. and it's this big river of snow and ice, and um, these big towers of ice that are sometimes two hundred feet in in <laughs> height, and so we would have to. Uh, uh, get through that before the sun would hit it in the morning. So we would wow. have to leave about 4 a.m. in the morning to be through that dangerous section before that started to loosen up and, <sighs> and uh, could pose a risk. Wow. Um, actually, uh, every season, uh, there are major avalanches through there. And in fact, mm-hmm. my, my second season on Mount Everest, three people were buried, um, one of whom didn't make it out. Oh. So it's a, it's a very serious place you have to yeah. have your game part face of your on. climbing team or is it just no. during the season mm-hmm. another team uh uh and their climbers but uh okay um yeah you have to be have to move wow. very very quickly and, yes. and be very very dedicated to it mm-hmm. so That's just a for a sense of scale um you said two miles vertically straight up and i'm, I'm having a hard I, I was looking out <laughs> i know you guys can't see me i was looking outside uh, our <laughs> studio at some skyscrapers in Houston trying to imagine what would be two miles to straight up as a sense of scale. Um, Probably from here to the Rice Stadium would be maybe one, one mile, so twice, twice that. No, it's even further than that. Uh, <laughs> may, maybe out to the Galleria there. I'm, wow. Most of the way to the Galleria. This is an incredibly far distance. It, it, it's, it's almost well, yeah, at yeah. the horizon of yeah. where you can see on the 14th floor of a skyscraper. So yeah. this, this is very, 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 very tall. <laughs> um, oh what my you said was gosh. very important, wow. though, Emily. So it's, it's, it, the summit doesn't count unless you make it a round trip. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. it's there and back. And right. a lot of people forget that. They have their ambition of just summiting, and then they don't leave enough in the <laughs> gas tank to make it back down. To make it down, yeah. And so, wow. Oh, yeah. So, so are those mostly private climbers that plan their own expeditions? Or? No, it's just uh, you know people let their ambition uh, take over Yes. Um, their better judgment, and so the mountain has lots of people. Their, their bodies uh, still reside there because they they had only uh, summit fever, getting to mm. the top, and didn't keep enough in in reserve to, to make, make it, it back it home. Down. Oh wow! 
So um, I've, I've heard a little bit about um, Sherpas. Did mm-hmm. they feature in, in your? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, I, I was so fortunate to climb with Danuru Sherpa from Fortse, mm. and he was with me every step of the way. I, I didn't climb as, as a guided climber. I, I climbed basically on my own, but part of a, a larger team called um, uh, IMG. Mm-hmm. Um, but Danura was with me every step of the way, and uh, one of my uh, you know closest friends. Uh, but I would always tease Danuru that uh, he was cheating because he had three lungs and two hearts. Uh, <laughs> but um, what's really uh, kind of uh, neat for me is that on Summit Day, he felt every bit as exhausted as I did. He was mm. completely uh, um, exhausted at the com- end of that day. Mm. Definitely the hardest thing I had ever done. He had, uh, when we summited, it was his 12th summit of Mount Everest, though. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and just to, um, before we go to break, what would you say the difference, besides the injury, of course, between your first and your second um, climbs of, of, the, of the mountain, what would you say the, the differences would be? Well, uh, great question. Um, you know, I, I felt very confident. I knew the people. I knew the landscape. I knew the route, all except for that very last summit day. And I also had the confidence that I physically would be able to do it. You know, mentally and, right. and uh, physically and, and in terms of my preparation. So I, I felt confident I, if, every, if the weather was good and if my health mm. would maintain, I would, I would be able to do it. And uh, the, the other thing that was really special about coming back to Mount Everest is that um, the delayed gratification, you know, the fact that I didn't make, make it the first time, I came back and made it the second time, the reward was that much sweeter mm, and greater um, yes. yeah it really meant so much more to me mm. that i had you know fought my way back uh, twice the suffering but uh you know twice the reward too yes. i think that makes it twice as impressive as well yes. that that one would suffer such an injury like a, a ruptured spine right. uh and then come and then come right back, back the next year and yes. do it. That, that really shows commitment and courage yes thank you thank you yeah. so let's take a break I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. And you're listening to Voice America Kids and Purple Songs Can Fly. Our next segment, we're going to talk with Dr. Scott about the summit of Mount Everest. And we're going to play a song called Gonna Be Free by Eric. And Eric was 18 when he wrote this song. Bye. 
Talk, we perfected it and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Looking for a great sports show from a kid's point of view? Look no further than Speaking of Sports. We've got the stats, scores, and inside news on what's happening all over the sports world. It's all hard hitting, can't miss action from your point of view. You'll hear different perspectives, opinions, and predictions from the fans and experts. Tune in to Speaking of Sports every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Miss just one minute of this show and you've missed out. You are listening to Purple Songs Can Fly on the Voice America Kids channel. To find out more about our program, please visit the website at purplesongscanfly.org. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. I'm Emily Freeman. Along with Dr. Scott Parazinski, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's continue with our conversation about Mount Everest itself. 
I really want to know what the summit was like. There's so few people that have even seen it, and you're yes. one of them. Uh, could you describe for our listeners just what it is, what it's like? It's an extraordinary little place. In fact, it's about twice the size of this table, and I know your, huh. your, your listeners can't appreciate that, but it's maybe you know six feet by uh, three feet in its, wow. its uh, maximum dimensions. It's, it's really, really steep on the Tibet side, and then there's a, a little bit of a, a shelf on the Nepal side, and then it narrows down into this very steep ridge line, which is the way that we come up to the top of the mm. world. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful place. It's got uh, these beautiful multicolored prayer flags, wow. uh, Tibetan prayer flags with Sanskrit lettering and artwork on them. Wow. And uh, you may have seen these. They're, they're uh, taken to mountain passes and mountain summits. And yes. uh, through the test of time, the, the, the wind, the snow, the sun and ice, they slowly disintegrate and the prayers are carried up to heaven. Mm. That's why they're called prayer flags. And so uh, the, 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 the summit is covered with them. And then there's actually a golden Buddha in this uh, little glass case, some devout Tibetan Buddhist Sherpa had taken this all the way up to the top of the world. I, that's very he strong. Carried a, he carried a golden statue. Yeah. How <laughs> big is this statue? It's it's not too big. I mean, the the case is maybe <laughs> one foot by one foot by one foot. But uh, that would still uh, be incredibly heavy to carry all the way up a mountain. Yeah, up to the top of the world at twenty nine thousand feet. Oh, wow. Not easy. Gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he must be proud of his accomplishment. I can imagine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> determined <laughs> and you mentioned prayer flags mm. um i i just wanted to um quickly talk about um i know you brought some prayer flags yourself up there i did um what was that like well so i wanted to pay tribute to some of my fallen heroes and you know i'm mm. a space explorer and and a number of uh, men and women have given their life uh their lives for uh, uh our benefit in space exploration so yeah. the crews of apollo one challenger columbia mm. soyuz one and soyuz 11 uh astronauts and cosmonauts uh, perished in the line of duty and so I made uh, two very special prayer flags to pay tribute to them and so I, I took those those flags up to Mount Everest uh, top and uh, installed them there so those uh, those prayer flags are mm-hmm. working their way back up to heaven as well that's wow. wonderful and I also wonderful. took uh, uh, Purple Songs Can Fly uh, band, which you right. may be aware of as well yeah yep that's up there too all right oh my gosh and thank you for that yes, too. you're welcome thank that's, you so i much. think that's a really beautiful and moving tribute to yes. those who made the ultimate sacrifice for the benefit yes. of all yes so, yeah yes. that's awesome that's so cool <laughs> i i i kind of suspect the answer to this how amazing was the sunrise from the top of mount everest oh it was it's one of the those memories that's etched in my brain. I, you know, mm. one of the neat things about being an astronaut is you get to see 16 sunrises and sunsets every day. You're going around wow. the Earth at these enormous speeds. So every right. 90 minutes, you make one full orbit of the Earth, and so you'll see a sunrise and a sunset in that period. Oh, wow. But the sun comes up so quickly when you're in space because mm. you're traveling so fast. I really wanted to see the equivalent of an orbital sunrise from the top of the world. And, and so I arrived mm. at 4 a.m. on the head, and the sun started to come up at 4.05. So I was able to oh, see wow. a, a full sunrise <laughs> from the top of the world. I saw the full curvature of the earth, and it took about 30 minutes. Wow. And it was just beautiful. I could see the, um, the full spectrum of light, mm. and uh, I felt so fortunate to, to be up there to see that uh, mm. gorgeous sight. Wow. And how, how many people have actually seen the summit, if you know? I mean, yeah, so uh, there have been about uh, 3,000... Uh, climbers who have mm. uh, stood atop Everest. Wow. Uh, not all of them have made a round trip, uh, but uh, uh, that's about the number. And then uh, to 
to put it in context, there have been about 530 people who have uh, been to space. Mm. So more people have been to to Everest, obviously, than to space. But that's changing, too. And there's still several billion people on Earth. And this has been, gosh, that that still seems like a really small number to me. I mean, (laughs) that's a very uh, elite group. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, yes. thank you. No, I, I was very fortunate to have uh, the opportunity to go. And then, uh, you know, my uh, my family and friends supported me and my job supported me, mm. allowing me to go do that. Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, I know you were able to bring some Purple Songs with you. Yes, to indeed. To Summit of Mount Everest. Oh. Yeah. So w- where are they now? Uh, are, are they at the little shrine? or are they No, the, the banner <laughs> stayed up on top of the world, but uh, the music made the round trip, and I think they're in the studio still. Mm. That's yeah, excellent. In a, in a beautiful cool. frame. So That is cool. excellent. Yeah. So where are you now in your life, astronaut, doctor, mountain climber? What is, what is your mm-hmm. next goal? Um, how, how is your family? Are if they you doing know. good? You know? If you even know. <laughs> I, well, I, well I, uh, right now I'm currently in Houston. With, with right. you guys. No, just, yes. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. um, no, so my, uh, my position right now is actually really fun. So I oversee healthcare in Antarctica for the National mm. Science Foundation. So I do the medical screening for everyone that goes down there to, to do science right. and to support uh, uh, the United States Antarctic program. Mm. So all the doctors and uh, nurses and other uh, medical technicians that work in Antarctica work for me. And the fun part about that job is that I get to go to Antarctica every once in a while. So I need to wow. take a Purple Songs Can Fly uh, CD down to the South Pole with me next time I go. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that's really been a, a fun job as well. Mm. You know, lots, of, uh, uh, lots of places on Earth still yet to explore. Right. So how do your wife and kids handle uh, your adventurous incredible yeah. spirit and ex- gosh yeah. in your experience I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you must be an inspiration t- to uh, your children for sure well uh, you know um, my son uh, Luke is uh, uh, he's uh, going to be a junior in high school and uh, so I, I think uh, he, he's just a wonderful kid but I think he thinks that you know everybody's parents are astronauts and so he doesn't <laughs> think much much about it you now um, but he uh, actually is most interested in uh, um, politics and, and history and, mm. and things of that nature. And then my daughter Jenna is uh, just a wonderful spirit. Um, she uh, you know loves to dance and sing, and, uh. and that's kind of her her thing right now. So I mm. I don't think what I wonderful. do has any any direct bearing on what they want to do in their uh-huh. life. But you, well, well, good <laughs> you, for them. you you one day you will be a grandfather, and you will ha- you will be the inspiration to uh, your family as your grandfather was to you. I'm sure. Uh, I hope so. Uh, hope it, so. Yes. it would be hard not to be with your resume. Goodness yeah, gracious! And you're yeah. still, and he's still going strong. He looks yes. every bit you know, thirty. I I don't know how he does. Uh, I this wish all. that were true, Zach. But <laughs> <laughs> and so just before we go, uh, with the kind of recent end of the shuttle program, which you were very intimately involved in, and a mm. huge, huge impact in, uh, what do you see as the future of NASA and space exploration? Um, in, in your non-binding opinion, just uh, <laughs> right. I'm really just, curious for your insight. Just in the well, future, I'm really excited about the future. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. the commercial human spaceflight uh, companies that are out there—you may have heard of Virgin Galactic or SpaceX. Mm-hmm. I have. They're going to be opening up the door for many more people to get a chance to fly in space wow. in the future, um, which is which is great. Yes. Um, and then NASA, I think, needs to look far beyond to return to the moon, maybe to to colonize Mars, mm. to look for life there, to 
look to uh, traveling even places beyond that. So right, um, right now, uh, NASA's struggling to kind of figure out how they're going to do these these bold initiatives with you know shrinking dollars in the budget but mm. i believe uh, you know nasa will will continue to lead and and it'll also be an international uh collaborative program with the russians and maybe even the chinese in the future so mm. uh, i think that's really really exciting for all of us i i think it's amazing too and uh, mm. we we've already seen what international co- collaboration can do with the iss Right and, and with the, with the I, I don't know what they're I guess Canadian astronauts I don't know if they have a special name or and, and <laughs> astronauts from Europe Latin America Russia right. all coming together to to work for a common goal that's very yes. successful absolutely and so I can only imagine the future yeah uh, thank you so much again yes for coming in and talking with us and sharing. really loved spending the afternoon with you guys thanks for yeah, inviting yeah it was thank a you. pleasure I, it, more than I it was a treat for me I, I, well, yeah. I Goodness gracious! Just just to get inside your thoughts for a while and to, right. to, to experience what what you've lived through. Listen to your stories. It's amazing. It's I, so I I could do this all day long forever. Right. So thank you so much again yes. for coming in. Thanks so much, guys. Such a blessing. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Purple Songs Can Fly. I'm Zach Tavlin. And I'm Emily Freeman. And you've been listening to Voice America Kids and our interview with Dr. Scott Parazinski. Our final song today will be God Can Move Mountains by Nikki. And Nikki was 12 years old when she wrote the song.
survived cancer. I have faith and hope. Thanks for listening to Purple Songs Can Fly. We'll see you again next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. And remember, for more information about the Purple Songs Can Fly project, visit www.purplesongscanfly.org. We'll be back with more music next week. Saxophone, Dave Farver with What's That Sound? All around, funny sounds greet you every day. Sometimes little scary sounds will make you run away. Then there's all those beautiful sounds that make me want to sing. I have found so many sounds that make my life worth living. I hear a wacky sound. I hear a scary sound. I hear a funny sound. I hear a mysterious sound. I hear a grumpy sound. Mom, I don't want to clean my room. I hear an old car sound. I hear a pretty sound. I hear a silly sound. I have found so many sounds to make my life worth living. When I want to hear, I use my ears figure what the sound might be Sometimes just by listening I can name it perfectly So let's close our eyes Listen close Play this game with me Without your eyes Identify what you can hear But just can't see Now what's this? That's a little doggy Now what's that? That's a little birdie Now what's this? That's a little turkey Now what's that? That's a little ducky. Now what's this? That's a little horsey. Now what's that? That's a little froggy. Now what's this? That's a little rooster. Now what's that? That's a little kitty. I have found so many sounds to make my life worth living. All around, funny sounds greet you every day. Sometimes little scary sounds will make you run away. Then there's all those beautiful sounds that make me want to sing. 
I have found so many sounds Making my life worth living What's that sound? 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 I have found so many sounds that make my life worth living. <laughs> that was Dave Farver, Mr. Saxophone from the Kidstar Album of the Month. Check it out on our website, kidstar.org. <laughs> 